We are going to continue on with our, our theme of talking about the Holy Spirit. God kind of started us on a journey. If you remember a few weeks ago, uh, we started in Ezekiel 37, and God just kind of launched just on this, on this journey of diving into the Spirit of God and understanding Holy Spirit and understanding how He works and, and moves in our lives. And last week, we really hit a lot of fine points, general ideas of, of what Scripture teaches about the Holy Spirit. And uh, I, I want us to kind of jump onto that. If you remember last week, I said I, I kind of had to stop at a certain point because we were getting to a point where we were running out of time. Um, but I, I wanted to honor your time last week. But I'm going to pick up kind of where we left off. But uh, I'm glad I did that because the, this point that I stopped at is actually a whole message in and of itself. And so uh, if you will... Uh, join us today in Ephesians chapter 1. We're going to read verses 13 and 14. And when you got it, just stand to your feet so we know you're ready. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 13 and 14. It will also be on the screen as well. This is what it says. I'm using the English Standard Version. It says this, In Him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. Heavenly Father, today as we move forward into your word, I ask that you would just speak to our hearts and our minds. Let us grow in our faith and our knowledge of you and your Holy Spirit. God, I ask that you would just open our hearts to receive and our minds to hear and understand today what you are speaking to us. In your name we pray. Amen and amen. You may be seated. In this scripture where he starts out, uh, just to kind of lead into the sealing of the Holy Spirit, he, he, there's, a, there's a series of actions and, and things that take place. Um, he says, in him also when you heard the word of truth, the, the salvation message, the gospel message, uh, there was something that happened in your life at that moment when the reality of who Jesus was became very real to you. And, and where he came into your life, shook things up, messed you up, saved you from your sin, and began to do a work in your life. Well, on this journey uh, in, in this life, because it is a journey, there's so many things that happen uh, from the point of salvation on. Uh, I really struggle when sometimes in certain mentalities people will, will believe that salvation is the end goal. It, it's, the, it's an ultimate goal, but when, when we look at salvation, it's not the end point for somebody, it's the starting point. Like our life really doesn't begin until we encounter Christ and have a relationship with Him. He brings us life. Before we were dead in our sin, we, we had no life, nothing happening within us. And then Jesus comes along, and like we talked about a couple weeks ago in Ezekiel 37, He breathes life into our dead, lifeless bodies and brings us back to life through His saving grace. And so through that, we, we come now to this journey we are, are living and, and walking in, and He's saying that, that there is an end goal of this, and that end goal is an, a, a kingdom inheritance in heaven. But until we get there, we have a seal of the promised Holy Spirit. 
He's saying until you get that inheritance, basically it, this is like a down payment. This is, this is like a, a, a taste of what glory will be like someday. That If that doesn't give you some kind of idea of what it's like to walk your life out with the power of the Holy Spirit living on the inside of you, if it is, if it is like the inheritance, uh, like the, the down payment of the inheritance, if it is like the, the, the first part of it, imagine how good the real thing is going to be when we finally get there. And so he says, until we get there, I'm sending the Holy Spirit with you to be with you. And so he says the Holy Spirit seals us, puts a seal on us. I want to talk about two different kinds of seals. Uh, if, you, if you understand history and back in the, uh, the other kingdoms and, and different realms of royalty, uh, there, there was a wax seal. But I want to start us out with the seal of preservation. And we'll get to the wax seal here in a little while. The seal of preservation. I, I want us to think about it like this. If we're walking this journey of life and we're in a world that the Bible says is corrupt and evil and, and, surround, and we are constantly surrounded by sin, we need something to keep that out so that it does not influence and impact us. Amen? Amen. And so the first seal I want to talk about is the seal of preservation. The Holy Spirit is not just this, the, the third part of the Trinity that helps us shout and speak in tongues and run around the, uh, the church and climb the pews and do backflips and swing from the chandeliers and all of that stuff like we said uh, the, a week ago. He has a, a more in-depth uh, application to our life. And, and it's actually like, I think a lot of times the Holy Spirit gets looked at as this... Uh, this part of the Trinity, this part of the Godhead that visits with us occasionally and then we put it back up on a shelf until uh, Sunday rolls back around. But the reality of it is, is the Holy Spirit is, is a, a person of the Godhead, is not really in it. I even still struggle sometimes. I'm trying to break the habit because uh, God kind of convicted me on this myself, but calling it, it it's He. Holy Spirit is He. It is the third person of the Godhead. It's not just this little element of spirituality. It is such an important, integral part of our faith. It's the part that goes with us every day. That's why Jesus told his disciples, I'm going to leave you, but I'm sending the Holy Spirit to be with you and walk with you and comfort you on a daily basis because you won't have the person of Jesus. He sent the Spirit of Jesus. It's this powerful powerful part of the Godhead that I think so time, so many times gets disregarded and forgotten about. We, we love to talk about Jesus and his sacrifice on the cross. We love to talk about God and how powerful he is. And we love to talk about the Holy Spirit, but we miss out on the fullness of the Holy Spirit. We, we think we limit him. And, and I want us to get beyond that today and really throughout this journey that we're on. The Holy Spirit, we talked about many different things last week. He's a comforter. He's an interceder. He, he's he's an, an empowerment for us. He, he does so many things. But, but really, one of the biggest things and the things that we really truly need every day, every day, I don't always need intercessory prayer. Sometimes things are great. But I always need a seal of preservation on my life. I, I need the Holy Spirit to step into my life and block out the things that don't belong. Amen. 
and to be a filter and, and, and through uh, my life and in every part of my life, I need him to do those things. It says in Galatians 5.16, it says, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. The Holy Spirit keeps the flesh at bay. Galatians 5 also teaches us that, our, that the Holy Spirit and, and our flesh is at war all the time. There's a constant battle going on within us to, to block out sin and let the power of God rise up and holiness shine through. He goes on to talk about the fruit of the Spirit that is supposed to come out of our life. We talked about that last week. The Holy Spirit produces good things in our lives. It doesn't just produce shouts and praise and, and tongues. It produces love, kindness, patience, peace, goodness, self-control, all of those things. And it is through those things, especially self-control, that we can live in this pre preserved state of being. You see, it, it is so important for us to walk by the Spirit. To let the Spirit convict us and move in us. To keep us from things we shouldn't be involved in and part of. And, and I know for some of, you, some of you, we automatically go to the, to the biggest, nastiest sin we can think of. But can I tell you today, first off, sin is, all sin, the wages of it, is death. It's not that one sin you get a slap on the wrist, the other sin you die. Because God's not talking about, when he, when he says that in Scripture, that the wages of sin is death, he's not talking about physical death. He's talking spiritually death, spiritual death. There is sin on this earth that by man's standard is more severe than others. There is sin where the consequences are more immediate and, and more harsh on this earth. But, but when he's talking about this, he, he's talking about how how there's a spiritual death when we give in to sin. And that's why we need the Holy Spirit to, to lock those things out. We have to walk by the Spirit. The Spirit is that filter that keeps those things at bay in our life. The Holy Spirit is what, when you're walking and moving through life, will send conviction on you. And, and we go to the biggest, nastiest sin. But what about the gossip that we indulge in when somebody says, hey, did you hear what happened to so-and-so? Did, did you hear this and that? We think it's harmless. And, and what I like to call Christianese, we don't say, well, guess what so-and-so did? We say, I got a prayer request about somebody. Now, let me tell you, there is legitimate prayer requests, physical ailments, things like that. You know somebody's hurting. They're in the hospital. That's one thing. But to say, well... Uh, Sister Tina over here has, uh, has been living a lifestyle she shouldn't be living in, and we need to pray for her that God delivers her from her sin. That's, that's a whole other thing. Because now you're putting business out there that doesn't need to be out there. If you know it, and it's, I don't know how you know it, but it's not meant for you to share with others. You were not entrusted with that knowledge to pass it on. That knowledge is for you Maybe God reveal it to you so you could be the intercessor for that person. You are not the news reporter on channel whatever supposed to tell everybody's business. I'm meddling a little bit, I think. But we, we have a responsibility that to not look at these big things that we consider these great sins only. 
There are little, your attitude. Like I said, producing fruits of the Spirit last week. Like if we're not producing love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, all those things. If we're not producing those things, there's something wrong. And I'm not saying we're always going to be perfect in it. But generally speaking, people should be able to look at our lives and the fruit that we bear when we are out at Walmart, when we are out at the restaurant, and be able to say there is something a little bit different about what that person is putting on the table. There's enough bitterness and angerness, angriness, that's not a word, in this world. There's enough of that garbage. The last place people should be finding that is in the body of Christ. And it is through the power of the Holy Spirit that we can overcome that by filtering out the bad attitudes. That when we begin to open our mouths and say things we shouldn't about people that we shouldn't be saying, or to people, putting people down, the Holy Spirit will say, hey, zip it. You don't need to go there. We need that in our life. Because as we begin to speak those things, the Bible says, even just on that alone, we have the power of life and death in the tongue. We can destroy lives with what we speak. It's important for us to be preserved by the Spirit. So important. It's not just about keeping the bad stuff out. It's also about keeping the good stuff in. You see, there, there's stuff that God is doing on the inside of us that, that I'm not, by getting out, I don't mean that, that it doesn't show to other people. What I mean by that is we don't spill it all out and make a huge mess of it like we would if we did it in our flesh. There are things that God does on the inside of you that if it wasn't for the Holy Spirit, it wouldn't thrive and it wouldn't live in your life. Peace is produced inside of you because the Holy Spirit is preserving your soul and empowering you in peace. He does a work on the inside that preserves us from the inside. You see, if you look, like if you go to the grocery store and you get a, a canned good or whatever, there is stuff, there's a lid on that can that keeps everything out, but they also put stuff on the inside that keeps everything on the inside good. There, there, you need it in both places. Because eventually, you know, you start seeing things on the outside world, it's easy to begin to lose hope. It's easy to let bitterness build up on the inside. You're exposed to enough elements in life. You leave a can out on the road and the heat begins to get to it. It may be sealed from the sun. It may be sealed from the air and all that. But eventually that heat will, will rise up or even better yet, getting into wintertime. Leave it out in the cold long enough. It'll freeze and it'll explode and it'll burst. We need the, his preservation working on the inside of us just as much as on the outside. And he does just that. Romans, 8, uh, Romans chapter 8, verse 6 tells us, For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. What I want us to understand today is that a spirit-controlled mind leads to life and peace. So in other words, what controls your mind and has a dominion in your mind matters. If we set our mind on fleshly things, we should expect fleshly results. If we set our mind on spiritual things, we should expect spiritual results. 
I mean, just again, going back to looking at the world around us, if you spend all your time filling your head with whatever CNN and whatever news channel you listen to is telling you, it doesn't matter how much you think they're on your side. At some point, they're going to do nothing but report how terrible the world is. I really don't watch a whole lot of it anymore because I'm tired of hearing about how everybody's having problems. All I get it. We live in a corrupted, dying world. People have problems. Things are unstable. The, the economy is not the, as good as it once was in this world. And, and like all these different things that people are so worried about all the time, I stop listening to it. For one, my provider is not in the dollar bill. My provider doesn't sit at the IRS or in the Department of Treasury or whatever. It, it, he doesn't sit in those offices. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills, rests his feet on the earth, holds everything in the palm of his hand, created it all. It it doesn't matter what the dollar's worth. He'll give me whatever I need. I didn't say whatever I want. Whatever I need. I'm, I'm getting a little rabbit trailed here this morning. But it, it's, I can have that mentality within me because the Holy Spirit works in my mind to lead me in those things. But in the flesh, if I were to look at the economy again, for example, and to see how the dollar has lost value, you used to buy a, a home for $2. I know that's an exaggeration, but if you look at the state of just the cost of a home from a hundred years ago to now, it's a drastic difference. If you look at history, like I say all that to say that's always going to change, that's always going to be unstable, that's always going to be uncertain. But when you have your mind on the Spirit of God and what He's doing, and your mind is controlled by Him, and He is filtering and preserving what's in your mind, it doesn't matter what's going on in the world around us. But in the flesh you would have every reason to be stressed out and anxious and depressed and worried because the flesh relies on flesh, but the Spirit is of the Spirit of God. And it is never changing. It is never failing. It never runs out. It never loses its value. It never loses its power. We have to have the Spirit preserving us today. The Spirit... uh, also not just preserves us in that way in our thoughts and mindsets, but it keeps us in alignment through conviction with God. It keeps us walking in God's will. He keeps us walking in God's will. Without the Holy Spirit working in our hearts, we wouldn't know what God's will is. The Holy Spirit communicates to our spirit through His Word, through prayer, and even through worship, and just spending time with Him what God's will is for that moment and season in your life, and even for your life as a whole. He keeps us in alignment, and when we start to stray from that path, there's a conviction that brings us back in line with what God has for us. Also, He leads us in truth. Going back to what I talked about having a mind of the flesh, the flesh is full of lies. The flesh is full of evil thoughts and evil things. But when we follow the Holy Spirit, He leads us into all truth. We said last week, the, the, 
the Holy Spirit comes to us and teaches us all things, reveals all things. And when we need to remember what God has taught us, He brings it to our remembrance. He leads us into truth. He teaches us and, and allows us to know what is true. It gives us discernment. He gives us uh, knowledge. He leads us into truth. And through that, we have a seal on us that preserves us. Truth is preserving. Lies and deceit are destroying. He seals us with preservation. The other seal I want to talk about today is the seal of a king's authority. This one really blessed me this week as I studied all of this. The seal on, on like you see in this picture here for our, uh, our title this morning, the seal of the Holy Spirit. There's an authority that a king has, if you look back in history, where, where they have a, like a signet ring that they wear. And when they are signing an order or putting authority or their stamp of authority on something, they would get that, wing, that, that ring uh, covered in wax and they would stamp it on whatever they were putting their signature on. And it was a sign that this is the king's authority on this thing. I want us to understand today that we don't just have this preservation, survival type thing. We have an authority that comes from God through the Holy Spirit. He puts His seal on us. And this is a seal that says, hey, your salvation is, is there. It, it's got my signature on it. it. It's solid. It's secure. As long as you walk in obedience to me and my word, it's there. And you got my seal of approval on there. But there's also beyond that, because Jesus even told the disciples, all authority under heaven and all on earth has been given to me. And I now tell you to go out into the world preach the gospel, make disciples, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. There is an authority transaction that happened there where Jesus is saying, I have this authority and now I'm bestowing this authority on you to go do this work. There is an authority we have on this earth. See, the, if back then in, in the historical times with this seal, uh, there was uh, representatives of the king that also carried this seal. This seal was a marking that you are walking and doing business on the king's behalf. When you showed up and you bore that seal of the king, you were doing things as if almost like you were the king. Now, I'm not saying we are God today, but we have a spiritual authority in the earth that he has given us where we don't have to walk around defeated and beat up all the time. We don't have to walk around with our head between our knees and our tail hanging and, and dragging in the dirt. We, we have a spiritual authority over depression. We have spiritual authority over anxiety and all of these spirits that come against us. We don't have to walk around under their influence and their authority. We have authority over them. God has given his seal on us through the Holy Spirit as a stamp of authority that we can we have some level of authority in this earth. I said it a couple weeks ago. We talked about in Matthew 16, there is a scripture there where Jesus is talking to the disciples and he he's, uh, says, uh, many people uh, have different thoughts, I'm paraphrasing, on who I am. Who do you say that I am? Peter says, you are the Christ. And Jesus says, on this rock I will build my church. 
when you understand that word church, uh, the word there is ecclesia. An ecclesia is a government authority that does business and, and has authority on behalf of that ruling governor or king. He, when he says that, I'm going to build my church, he's saying, I'm going to build my ecclesia. I'm going to establish a body in this earth that's going to do business on my behalf. He, they're going to, in other words, the church's goal is not just to gather together, sing some songs, and hear a word once in a while. It's to do business on God's behalf. We have an authority and an assignment in this earth to preach the gospel, make disciples, baptize people, reach the lost, and just rinse, wash, and repeat over and over again. And, to, and not just to survive this, but to thrive in this world as the body of Christ. The other thing that this seal did, that the king's seal did, is any message that was delivered that had his seal on it was to be considered law. It was to be treated as if the king was there and verbally declared it himself. You see, I, I think it's interesting uh, when you think about preaching and teaching is I can preach and teach until I'm blue in the face, but if the Holy Spirit doesn't put his seal and God doesn't put the seal of the Holy Spirit on the message in your heart, it carries no authority in your life. I can preach till I'm blue in the face. I can come up with creative illustrations. I can do all kinds of craziness. I can do triple bat flips, set myself on fire. But if the Holy Spirit... I will never set myself on fire. But the Holy Spirit, if, he, if the Holy Spirit does not, if the Holy Spirit does not put His seal on whatever message is delivered, it means nothing. When we think about it that way, we can view messages in a whole new light. Because His Word, the Scriptures that have been put together to create the canon of Scripture is not just a fun little book of stories for us to read to give us some good life advice. It is to be treated as God's law and His final word. His stamp and signet ring has been placed in His word, and it should be considered an authority. And, and the problem is, is we treat it so casually So my question for you on this is how do you view that signet ring and his seal in your life? You see, because it's not just about preservation, it's about understanding God's authority. Authority is a big deal. Because if God doesn't have authority in your life, well then he's really not all that much part of your life now, is he? Giving him the proper authority in your life is what allows him to set you free. That's what gives him his right. Not that he really has to ask for it, but he also is not going to come in and, and kick your doors open and, and pull you out by your hair and, and force you into it. He asks for your obedience. And as a believer, we should be obedient. I'm going to finish with this and History, this, this, this was powerful to me and convicting to me. Throughout history, as I was studying this idea of a king's seal, there is 
recorded instances of attempted forgery of the seal. In other words, people tried to counterfeit the seal of the king. There are many counterfeits that people try to produce and call it the authority of God. They call it God's word. They call it truth. They try to treat it as law and expect us to treat it as law. But in reality, God has had no part in it. And I see it more and more often today. I've seen churches all over this country reject things that are clear in Scripture for the sake of satisfying their own flesh and calling it God's law still. Calling it God's will. But I need us to understand that also in history, oftentimes people who had lots of interactions and communications and dealings with authentic seals and messages of the king were able to identify the frauds very easily. But that only comes from plenty of authentic encounters. You, You had to see enough of the real thing to understand what was fake. You had to see enough of of the forgeries or of the real authentic ones to spot the forgery. Do we spend enough time encountering God in an authentic way to know when the fake comes along? We need to be able to identify the seal. If we can't identify this seal, we're subject to many false things. We need to be cautious today. We need to understand. And really, it's so simple. Just spend time with Him. The Bible even says there's coming a day, and I think it's already here, where people will turn away from sound doctrine to go hear what's going to tickle their ears and make them feel good. Everybody wants to feel good. I want to I feel good about myself. I want to feel like I'm doing the right thing. Who, who doesn't, right? But in the long run, we're giving up the true authentic move of God in our life and his seal on us for a fake forgery that holds no value. I don't want to miss out on an authentic move of God. You see, the forgeries, they sound nice, but they have no power. I'd rather walk under power. And although sometimes the truth hurts, and I don't like it, there are times I read the Bible and I just don't like it. If I'm being honest with you. Because it's funny how it works. You spend enough time reading and you have enough commitment to reading and spending time with God. You, you open those pages and you're dealing with something or your attitude's out of line and you're, you're bitter about something. You open it and it'll, it, it'll slap you right in the face. And then you're like, I'm done. I'm putting this away. <laughs> but it's through that that we are sealed Amen. with preservation And it's through this work of God in our life, we have a seal of his authority on our life. Not just for our own enjoyment, but for the furtherment of his kingdom. Will you bow your heads and close your eyes with me this morning?